So, so we're going to kind of uh, continue this morning, and um, this is one of those Sundays, and I've talked to a few before service even today, but this is one of those Sundays where it's kind of in between times, you know. I was telling Duke Hamps, who was playing drums for us today in, from Indiana, um, whenever I was, before I was a pastor of a church, um, before I was here at Family Bible Church, this was the only Sunday a year I got a chance to speak, you know. And it was kind of funny because it was the Sunday that, like, most people weren't in church, especially because the pastor was gone, so they would all kind of, you know, check out. Um, but I, I loved uh, the Word of God, and I love to preach it. I'll share something else with you. My brother-in-law, who's in seminary right now, is in Colorado, and he's speaking. And the reason he's speaking is because his pastor is off. And it's his one chance a year to speak. That's not quite true with Rich, but it's close. And he's eager to proclaim the gospel. And so today, it's funny because when I come now, um, being a pastor, having the privilege to speak every week, I think, well, what do we do this Sunday? You know, it just feels different. It's, it's more casual. It's more laid back. Um, it's this intimate time between Christmas and New Year's. Whenever It seems like the whole world just kind of takes a break. And even if you're doing something right now, you're usually doing it because you want to do it, Right? This morning I saw on TV, they're already saying, get out, hurry up quick, the sales are on. If you had a whole day off from buying stuff, you better hurry up because it's back on. <laughs> and there are good deals out there. But, you know, I, I really wanted to kind of think about this time in between. And so this, this is always comes to mind, this idea of pulpourri, this idea of this time. And pulpourri is a weird maybe analogy for this, but I don't know if you know what pulpourri is. As some, of the, some of the guys may not know, and some of the, some of the ladies may not know, I don't know. But it's that stuff that you see in baskets. It's kind of mixed, dried flowers and spices. And you put it in a home, and, and it just smells good. As a matter of fact, the way pulpourri is made is you harvest um, flowers and spices early in the year, and you dry them out, and you save them, and then later you put them out in a dish or a bowl, or you hang them in like a nice little, you know, bag or whatever that's called, the lace thing, right? And it gives an air, it gives this kind of flavor to everything that you do. And that's kind of how I feel like uh, this Sunday is. It's this time in between where we spent this whole year together sharing in the word and in the work of God. So I want to kind of take a moment and remember what some of the things we discussed this year together. And I don't just mean like up here on Sunday mornings. I mean like in our small groups and our, our family groups um, and other gatherings that we have. But here, I just want you to remember um, some of the things we talked about this year. This year, we talked about God being the ultimate promise keeper. You know, that when we really need somebody to hold a line on something, we can trust God to do that. We, we talked about... Um, uh, finding our life in Christ. We spent a lot of time in the book of 1 John, which is interesting because of what really kind of resonated when I reflected on today. Finding our whole being in the Messiah, Jesus. You'll remember that Corey spent the whole summer with our youth, teaching them to serve. It was called Secret Service Summer. And all summer they went and found places to serve. Not just our youth, by the way, but our mentors and leaders were taught to serve. We spent time thinking through 
the unique call of each church in their community. Not the big C church, but the little C churches that are around. Asking the question, what are we called to do? We spend some time thinking through what it means to save a family or to build a stronger family. What are some ways that we can be practical with each other? And then we spent uh, a few weeks talking about talking to God and basically encouraging us to do that more, just to talk to God more in our lives every day. And then we've spent the last few weeks in eager anticipation of our King, King Jesus, who comes to reign and to rule. And so today, the Christmas potpourri is kind of this mix of all those things. And, and I don't know what it is for you, and I hope that throughout the year, you've been listening to God reveal things to you. And today, I want to talk about something that kind of becomes this big arch. You know, sometimes we talk about, our, you know, you have like a big plan, and then you have these little plans that get you there, right? You have a big goal, and these little goals that get you to where you're trying to go. I, I find that sometimes we have plans, right? We talked about that the very first of this year. But God has a different year plan for us than we have for ourselves. And so what, what I want to talk about today is looking back, some of that, maybe that, what's that, what's that theme that God's been speaking to you? And I'm not going to tell you what that is. I hope that you're listening. But I want to share what God's laid on my heart um, for us today. So as we open the word of God, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. I believe that the Holy Spirit reveals truth through his word. I believe you are as capable as anyone else in this room to understanding what God is saying, not because of me, not because of your wisdom, but because God can tell you what you need to know, okay? So join me in prayer today. Father God, we come now before your throne. We don't make demands of you. We have no right to even be in relationship with you, Father. The truth is that at some very fundamental level, we are broken, we're messed up, and we can't even get the words right. So today, Father, we come depending on you, waiting for you, and listening for your revelation. May your Holy Spirit give us soft hearts. May your Holy Spirit give us open minds. May you grant us eyes to see and ears to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. May you give us a passion to respond to the great love that we've found. We thank you so much for the work that you always do, and we trust that you will continue to guide us in this time together. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our King. Amen. So, we're going to jump into this kind of big thought, you know, and it's really simple today, and I'm going to try to keep it really kind of um, pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, but the simple thought is this. It's said twice explicitly in Scripture that God is love. I heard someone one time recently say, it, it doesn't say that God loves. Well, it does say that. But it, it's not that God, love is something that God does. Love isn't something that's an option uh, for God. It's one of his many choices. The scripture actually says that God is love. This Christmas season, as we remember the birth of our King Jesus, we confess as believers in Jesus that Jesus is God in the flesh. Literally. That the person of Jesus 
who walked among men who were broken, who sat and ate with tax collectors and sinners. You know, it's really funny. We talk about sin in the church, and like, you go, oh, what's sin? Don't talk about that. Don't make any sense. And yet, if you talk about tax collectors, <laughs> you know, we'd like to get a hold of a few tax collectors ourselves, wouldn't we? <laughs> I just want you to think about that. That Jesus would come and sit with the IRS. Jesus would come and sit with your least favorite pundit or politician. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you would do that. And in Jesus, we have God, and God is love. And so this is kind of the thought that I want to share with you. And I want to show you where it's at in Scripture. It comes, and, and that's why I say it's interesting, in the book of 1 John, which we spent a long time on. But I just want to remind you, if you want to turn there, you can. You can grab one of our Bibles. It's 846. We're not going to jump around a lot in Scripture. I just want to think through what the implications of this one simple statement are for our lives as we enter into the new year. So we're going to look at 1 John 4.8 and 1 John 4.16. And I'm just going to read these with you. But it's really simple. It says, whoever does not love does not know God, right? And that's a statement that John makes when he's talking about being in Christ. If you don't love, you don't know God. But this is what he says. Because, or the reason, is that God is love. You know, to know him is to be loving to others. You can't know him if you aren't loving others. Why? Because God is love. And if you know God, you know love. Does this make sense? It's almost so simple, it's deceivingly simple. That we can only love others because God is love. Now, check it out in 16. Hear what the word says. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us, he writes. And then he says it clearly. God is love. Whoever lives in love... Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in him. And so here we have this, again, affirmed, this very clear statement that God is love. Now, I don't know if, um, if, that, if that's a hard thing for you to understand or not. It seems really simple. Um, and we can get, but here's the problem, I guess, I would say, is that in the church, we can make it more complicated than that. And, and we can say, we can find scripture and kind of, I don't know, contort it. And uh, I have a belief that the whole scripture proclaims this message, right? That God is love. The, matter of fact, the, the Bible is actually the story of God loving us so much, he will not quit. Even to the point of this morning, when you're sitting here, and you go, yeah, you, 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 God, don't, God wouldn't sit with me. God wouldn't talk to me. I don't need an engagement sheet. God ain't going to reveal nothing to me. The story of the Bible is a story of a God who will not quit loving his people. Now, some of you, if you've read any of the Bible, you'd say, yeah, well, you haven't read the Bible if you think that's true, because there's a lot of crazy stuff in the Bible. There's a lot of stuff that's harder. There's a lot of stuff about God judging or about God demanding righteousness. How, how does that make sense with love? How do you reconcile that? That's what I want to talk about today, is how those are reconciled through the word. 
So we start there with this idea that God is love, that it's not something he does, but who he is in our lives. Now, the second thing I want to talk to you about this morning, this is kind of the really basic stuff, but is that I want to talk about God's most profound love, his most profound example of love. And you know, it was what we just celebrated yesterday. Some families in our church were sharing with me that they do on Christmas Day, they do a, um, a birthday cake to remember the first gift. I asked a lot of you when you gathered in this morning, I said, did you have a good Christmas? What'd you get? And we're always excited about what we got, right? And that's awesome. Uh, I'm not taking any away from that, but I hope that at some point in your day, you remembered in a very real, tangible way, maybe it was a birthday cake, maybe it was time with a family, maybe it was uh, some reflection on nativity, maybe it was a scripture reading or some prayer, I don't know, maybe it was just sitting and looking at the beautiful creation and remembering the gift that God has given us in Jesus. Because this act of love that he showed to us by sending his son to the earth was his most profound act of love. It was the response or the action of a God who will not quit loving his people. As a matter of fact, we'll recall that um, this act of love was started, you know, or, or, or was manifest in this child born in a manger and was manifest in his ministry on earth and then fulfilled in his death on a cross. You know the verse of scripture comes in the middle of a conversation with a guy who has questions about God, who has questions about being born again. And in the middle of the conversation, Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe believe in him would be saved. And you know, it's interesting to me that that, that's John 3.16. You all know that. But John 3.17 is right after it, and he continues and says, because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Because God so loved the world. It's, it's his most profound gift to us. The most profound gift is Jesus. And I know that you know that, I know that we talk about that a lot. But this is what I want to say about this idea of the dried fruits of yesterday, these things that have set around and, and they begin to be in our homes, to, to be something that you don't quite know what it is when you smell it. You walk into a space and you're like, something's different here. I hope that you'll recognize that's the love of God in our lives. The fragrance is Jesus Because the truth is this, everything that Jesus did was love. Everything that Jesus does is love, right? I want to talk through that just for a second. You know, you and I hear stories of the Messiah who walked around on earth and did really cool things. He would hang out with the disciples and he would perform miracles. He he would reach and he would touch people who were ill and heal them. He would open his arms to children and say, don't keep the kids from me. 
I love children. Matter of fact, he said, you have to be like one of them to even come into my kingdom. And so we, we get that and we go, yeah, Jesus loves us. And he does. But I don't know if we think through that um, love fully. Because it's not that some of the things that Jesus did was love, but everything that Jesus does is love. Absolutely everything. And I'll give you a point. I want to kind of shake it up a little bit. I'm going to open the Gospel of John this morning. John chapter 8. You can turn there if you want to. You don't have to, but you're welcome to if you want to read it yourself. If you go, that's not in there, is it? I want to read an encounter with Jesus who is always loving and a conversation that he had with some people who were absolutely trying to live rightly. John eight thirty four. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in a family, but, but a son belongs in that family forever. So if, you are, if, you are, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, right? He's talking to the righteous. Yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word in your life. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Well, they answered. They said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you about the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. They said, we are not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus said this, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and now I am here with you. I have not come on my own, but I was sent by him. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry your father's desires out. He was a murderer from the beginning, not, with, not holding to the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks in his native language. For he is a liar, and he's the father of lies. And yet, because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I am telling the truth, so why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God is saying. The reason you don't hear is you don't belong to God. <laughs> now, I'll tell you why I think this is interesting. Because... It seems to me that whenever I've read that passage in the past, I read it like this. Get them, Jesus. You know? Get those unrighteous, self-righteous, crazy people. You put them in your, their place, and you read that scathing. He says, your father is the devil. He's the king of lies, and he's been lying all the time, and you're doing his work. And I read that on the side of Jesus, and I was like, yeah, here's the truth. Jesus is loving them. Jesus is loving them by telling them the truth. It doesn't sound like love. 
Does it? I want to think about us being on the other side of the equation and God saying to us, you don't even know me. You don't know what I'm trying to do here. You think you've got the message right, but you've got it completely wrong. See, then that hurts. That doesn't feel like love. But that's because we don't know love. Love is love all the time. And Jesus is being love when he challenges the Pharisees as much as whenever he loves the children. Jesus is love as much when he's telling you you can't keep living the way you've been living as he is when he's embracing you in his arms and saying it's going to be okay, I died for you. Jesus is love whenever, as much as whenever he challenges you to do something that you, you know you can't possibly do as he is when he's saying you can do it. It's all his love to us. I want to read uh, another little bit of scripture to you. It's another time that Jesus was talking to his disciples about people who are experts in the ways of Moses. And it's in the Gospel of Matthew. And it says this, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, this is Jesus speaking, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do what they're telling you to do. But do not do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. They tie heavy burdens on you, and they put them on other men's shoulders, but they themselves won't lift a finger to move the weight. Everything they do is for men to see. And then, and then he goes on, and he talks about, um, listen to the words he uses. A few, chapter, a few verses later, verse 15, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And he says, woe to you, blind guides. And he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And later on, woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites. Woe to you, hypocrites. He said that repeatedly. He even wraps it up this way. He says, you bunch of snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape from the condemnation of hell? See, we hear those words, and again, we think, well, that ain't for us. The question I have is this. Jesus is always loving. But are we willing to receive that love? I mean, really, folks, are we willing to let him love us in the ways that we're not comfortable? Are we willing to let him love us in the ways that he's going to say, you got to change? Do you know what I mean? Are we willing to take his rebuke of our life and our choices as much as we're willing to take his affirmation? I get uncomfortable this time of year because we're so confident that we know what God ought to do. That we're going to tell him what 2011 is going to be like. But do you know love? Do we know the love that won't settle for what we want. I hope you do. Because what we're talking about is real love here. It's, and and it's, it's real love that only Jesus gives. I want to affirm today that however you are experiencing Jesus in your life, if you're seeking him, 
if you're after him, if you're listening to him, that everything you're experiencing is God's love for you. And it doesn't always feel like it. When the challenges come, when the hard times come, when the confrontations come, when the time comes that we have to confess, to repent, and to turn again to him and say, Father, you are the only way. You are the only one that knows what I ought to be doing. I pray that in those places we receive that as the love that Jesus has for you and for me. So I have a few questions as we wrap up today. How have you experienced Jesus this year? I mean, the whole Jesus, not our favorite part of him. What are the areas in your life that you've been challenged by his gospel? How are you experiencing Jesus right now, today? I mean, I, I don't know about you. Are we, are, are we so comfortable that we're like, yeah, we're fine. Jesus, we don't really, we're good. We don't need you. I hope not. Because that's a lie. And it's from the father of lies. I pray today that you're in an active, loving, real relationship with Jesus. I pray that as we pursue his call in our life, we would answer that uh, question, can we trust this love he has for us? Can we walk any road because we know he is there with us, loving us through it? And not just loving us to get us past it, but loving us through it. I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. We're going to have one more song uh, today to sing together. And uh, I just pray that, that we would continue to, to think about those things together. If you don't know Jesus in this way, if you, if you don't, it's just a matter of you saying, I'll, I'll take that challenge. You know, some of my favorite prayers are like, you know what, God, if you're real, reveal yourself. Show up. He answers those kind of prayers. If your prayer is that, this hurts. This can't be love. Show me how this is love, Lord. He answers that. Join me today before the king. Father, we come because of your grace and we come because of your revelation and we don't want to settle for anything less than the truth. Father, guard our hearts against the lies and the king of lies who would just try to make us comfortable to settle in and not be examining what you're revealing to us. I pray today, Lord, that if there are areas in our life that we have not surrendered to you completely, if there are areas that we are masking and hiding, that we would let you in. 
that you could really work a miracle in our lives. Not a miracle because it's extraordinary, but because it's the way you want it. Because it's who you're calling us to be. And Father, we come today giving you thanks and praise for the pain and the struggle because it's your guidance and your hand that gets us through that, that transforms us. And we love you so much, and we thank you for King Jesus who is born into our lives that we might truly have life for the first time. So today, Father, uh, we give you praise for all these things, and uh, we thank you. If there's a way, Lord, that you want us to respond this week, and you know what it is, just make it clear in our hearts. If there's some times that we're having a hard time being obedient, Father, compel us by your Holy Spirit to obedience. And at the end of the day, Father, may we just find our rest, our refuge, and our rebuke in you and you alone. We thank you for this time in your word, this time in your church. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.